Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today's episode on grace got me so excited because it's so powerful. Sometimes it can feel like grace is soft, or is that really going to help me change? Jonathan Darty has experienced the power of grace over his 24 years of recovery, and after 13 years of porn, which escalated into prostitutes and affairs, Jonathan has experienced grace, and he oozes with this beautiful, powerful approach, which really does change everything. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am with Jonathan Darty from Be Broken Ministries. He's the author of Grace-Based Recovery and Grace-Based Transformation. Today, we're talking about grace and how a grace-based approach can help you guys continue to outgrow porn. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, Drew. It's great to be with you. You too. What do people need to know about you? Well, I'm a husband, I'm a father um, of three kids that are grown, and I was honored to be able to start this ministry, Be Broken Ministries, back in 2003. So we have passed the 20-year mark, and it's been amazing to be in this space for that long. And and uh, what I hope to share today is just um, what I've learned over that period of time, especially about this issue of grace being the absolute foundation of real life transformation and recovery. I mean, I've experienced it in my own life. I know you have too, Drew, is like, you know, you you can sometimes get to a certain point on this journey where it's so important to remember, okay, what was the foundation? Where did it start? And I hope that as we get into this conversation, it will start clicking with guys to realize, oh, it's not about the, all the activities that are going to actually transform my life if it is not rooted in grace, if it's not rooted in the grace of God. So that's my most passionate subject that I love to talk about is the grace of God. Awesome. What is grace? Yeah. So just in a very basic way, like the simplest definition is it is undeserved kindness. That would be applicable to anyone who just wants to have a definition of grace If you want to get more specific towards God's grace, it is the free gift of that undeserved kindness through his son, Jesus. So there is the the worth that he placed on us was placed on us in Jesus. I tell people all the time, if you really want to understand grace and, and how much God thinks of you or what he thinks of you, look to the cross. That's your worth. That's your value to God. You are worth the life of his only son. And so more specifically applied in our Christian faith is that grace is the gift of undeserved favor and kindness and privilege that we get through Jesus. And the key element, I think, to understanding what that definition means is we have to understand that it is a gift. I've noticed over time, especially working in recovery ministry, where there is, there's a lot of hard work that has to go go into recovery. We have to keep coming back to that understanding that it's a gift, that grace is a gift, because sometimes guys start to falsely assume because there's a lot of work in recovery, that that work is somehow earning me something before God, like somehow I'm gaining something because I'm doing all this work. 
And I love the old quote from Dallas Willard, who said, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Yeah. And so we have to keep that gift mentality around this notion of grace. Right. As I'm going through recovery and thinking of, oh my gosh, all the things I need to do. It's so easy to take a posture of achieving Mm. instead of a posture of receiving. Right. I hear you saying that in order to support all of this effort and action we need to take, grace needs to be our foundation. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just I was just having a, a, a meeting with a group of guys last night and we were talking about Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which talks clearly about, you know, we've been saved by grace. It's not of work so that nobody can boast. And then right after that, it says that, but we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we started talking about, do you realize that, okay, when we apply this to recovery, can you start to see all the work that is necessary, all the good work that is necessary as also a gift from God? Like, can you see that as a grace? And so when you're when you're realizing, hey, I need to set up boundaries. I need to do these things. I've got to seek to repair these relationships. I need to um, humble myself before those that I've hurt. I need to do all these kinds of activities. I need to get into a group. I need to see some counseling. Rather than looking at that is like you said, something that I'm now trying to achieve an outcome. What if I look at all of that as that's a gift too? God has gifted me the ability to do all this work so that I can actually be a better reflection of him in bearing his image. Amen. So if you had to summarize it, what's your definition of grace-based recovery? Yeah. So it's taking that idea of the gift of God, that, that we have been given this gift, and primarily as that pertains to our identity of bearing his image, that that is a free gift. And then now, can we take that and apply it to all of the the process and the work of recovery? And this is where we, we like to say that we want to create grace-based environments so that when you step into recovery, the first thing you're going to know about grace as it is applied to you is that you are worth the life of God's son. And that can never change. So really, most of what grace-based recovery boils down to is this foundation of your identity being of great worth in God's eyes that can't change. So therefore, as you get on this sort of the, the reality of the roller coaster of recovery, where, man, you got some up days and you got some down days. And it's especially at the beginning, it's real choppy. I mean, it can be really challenging at the beginning because you're you're breaking away from a whole old pattern of, of life. Everything that's familiar to you is going away and you're entering into things that are very unfamiliar. We have to keep that foundation that says who you are in God's eyes cannot change based on whether you have an up day or a down day. And so that to me is what grace-based recovery is. It's continuing to have that singular baseline that says your life is a gift, your worth is a gift, and it can't change. Now let's get busy with the work of recovery. Yeah. And it can be so seemingly impossible to believe that on the down days. Mm -hmm. Can you give an example of one of your down days when it was difficult to accept God's grace? Oh, yeah. I remember uh, the the first really big down day that I had in my own recovery came at day 108. 
I'd gone 107 days without any kind of acting out, whatever. And and for your listeners and viewers, I mean, you have to understand, I was coming out of a 13-year full-blown porn and sex addiction where it included everything from pornography to prostitutes to all kinds of uh, illicit affairs. I mean, it was it was awful. And so I was deeply entangled in this whole world. So for me to go two days in a row without acting out would have been a miracle. And yet, by God's grace, man, something radical was changing in my life because I went 107 days without acting out. And then day 108 hit. I mean, this is over 20 years ago. So I don't even remember the exact behavior that happened. I think probably masturbation or something like that. Just a baseline behavior that I said I was, wasn't going to cross. And I remember just feeling crushed, deflated. Like, okay. Well, what do I do now? Because now I'm a failure, <laughs> right? And that's the whole, that's the language that shame brings in this whole idea of, well, now because you did this, guess what? You're you're unchangeable, everything. And I remember going into my counselor's office either the next day or, or close to that time and just kind of, man, I'm wearing my shame. And he was gentle, but he was direct. And he was like, hey, so what did you expect? You're You're learning to walk. And he put it in that context of, of essentially saying, you're learning a whole new way to live. And he said, did you, as a baby, did you learn to walk without ever missing a step? And that, and when he started kind of walking me through that, and then he brought it back to your value before God did not change because of this. It's like I felt this wave of grace that started to kind of wash off that shame and say, you know what, this isn't about my performance being the indicator of what God thinks about me or my value. And that was really where I think the roots of grace really started to take hold in my recovery to where I realized, okay, now I can learn from this stumble rather than think it is like I'm a failure. It's it's defining of me. And that created a whole new mindset towards challenges and difficulties and even stumblings along the way is I gained more of a learning posture because of grace, realizing my value can't change before God. So when I have these moments where I drift off and stumble, instead of going, that's it, it's over, I can look at that and go, I can learn from a mistake. So the next time that same challenge comes up, I have different tools to address it with. Yeah. Amen. Feedback, not failure. Exactly. Yeah. That is so de-shaming and it's so lovely to know that God loves me no matter what. There's nothing I can do to increase that or to take it away. But in the moment of a big relapse, some guys might think, well, that's a soft approach. You know, that's not really taking it seriously enough. What would you say to that person? This idea of, okay, so what would I prefer in being a father to my kid? Would I prefer to be harsh and manhandling and controlling in order to just get the behavior I want? Or do I so value and love this relationship with my child that in all of their stumblings and up and down, I am going to have a grace approach that still contains within it discipline and correction and those kind of things. There's no harshness. There's no unkindness. There's mercy. There's grace because the relationship is so much more valuable than just perfect behavior. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's the approach that God has when we think about grace. And so in that way, grace is not actually soft. Grace is saying, I so value the, value you and this relationship that I want to help you walk through this so that you could understand why these things are harmful to your life and why it's not good for you. I don't want to just force the quote unquote right behavior just because it's right. Because then you lose the dynamic of the principle, you lose the relationship, you lose really what's at the heart of recovery in the first place. It's relational. And so that's why grace has to be the foundation, because grace fundamentally is relational. So I don't know if that answers your question, but for the guy that's struggling with saying, oh, that seems too soft, it's like, actually, I look at it as like, that's the most powerful approach for actual transformation. Because guess what, Drew, you and I both know, let's just be honest. You can, by force of your will, for a period of time, say, okay, I'm just going to do fill in the blank. And we can white knuckle behavior. And guess what? I've never met a man yet that's gone for 30 days white knuckling behavior that that feels as if their life is more enriched and fulfilled and there's real peace in their soul. No, and we're going to get into this. They're in a performance-based management system that is actually going to create more stress and more disconnection in their lives than this grace-based approach. So I would say to that person who's struggling with the idea of feeling like grace is too soft, I'm like, no, grace is the most powerful means by which you're going to actually experience transformation. That's just so good. Grace has changed me more than rules and anger or fear ever could. Mm-hmm. And I still need it. I feel like we never outgrow our need for grace. We never graduate from grace. No. Yeah. In fact, what I would say is I I tell people this all the time. The older I get, I had this wrong belief, I think, when I was a kid about heaven, like as if heaven is just this static destination, because now we're perfect. The older I get and the more I'm on this walk journey with Jesus and this relational journey with God, I'm thinking, no, heaven is just the eternal continuation of this grace journey of this growth. Do I really think that somehow the dynamic of the relationship or the learning or the creativity or the the beauty and the wonder is just going to cease once I get to heaven? No. So I think of it this way. You're absolutely right. We're never going to graduate from grace, even in heaven. We're going to be fully realizing in a whole new way, moment by moment, what does all this mean to to my life and my relationship with God? Yet even knowing intellectually about God's grace— we can still drift into this performance approach. So what are some of the common ways that we get away from grace? Yeah, so in the book, I actually do put a little table in the book that says the grace-based recovery versus performance-based recovery. And there's, you know, several elements in there, you know, one is, you know, earlier mentioned about, you know, reframing stumblings and relapses into opportunities to learn in a grace-based approach. You can do that performance-based approach. Guess what? Those, those stumblings are uh, an identity statement. You're absolutely a failure. You don't have any opportunity to explore those because you did not perform. And so I think the performance-based approach, and here's the thing that's so uh, subtle about it is because our human nature is automatically bent towards performance, you're going to have to fight against that in order to really be kind of maintain a grace-based approach. For example, try to think of anything in our world today in which you are valued simply for yourself. 
everything is attached to performance. Your work, your salary, I mean, you know, all kinds of stuff. Your your worth is attached to your performance. And so it's 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 a foreign concept to our human nature to be able to say, but you're telling me that I am I am worth the highest possible value, which is Jesus, at all times. Like, and and there's nothing that can take that down. It does take a long time. It takes some training. I think also one of the things I wanted to mention earlier when I hit day 108 that is really important to understand is, guess what? I needed an outside voice. I needed that counselor. We need groups. We need those who've been on the journey longer to speak those truths in our lives. Because when we hit those moments where we go, we're either latching onto performance or we are the shame lies are overwhelming us. That's where we need the rallying of the troops, so to speak, to say, okay, those who are maybe in a, a, a deeper understanding of grace or in a, in a better place right now, got to speak those truths into our lives when we're there. Because it's not as if you can just flip a switch and go, oh, I listened to this podcast by Drew Boa today, and, and they talked about grace, and I'm just going to flip the grace switch on. And now, from now on, I will have this permanent, never-changing you know, belief about myself that I'm worth the life of the Son of God. It's a daily, ongoing reminder that has to happen. I think there's a reason why there's a major theme throughout all of the scripture of remembering. God constantly says, hey, remember, remember. Remember when I did this. Remember my faithfulness here. Remember when I never left you. Remember when I kept my promise. And so we need to do that ourselves as well when we're attaching to a performance-based system. The other thing, too, is I think in order to be able to distinguish whether you are in a grace-based environment or a performance-based environment, the simplest way to do that is to determine what is being stated in this environment about my identity and my worth. Those are the fundamental kind of baselines of to, to be able to kind of easily understand, am I in a grace-based environment or a performance-based environment? Performance-based is going to always be, hey, your, your worth and even your identity are on this kind of sliding scale based, of course, on behavior. Grace-based environment is saying, hey, wherever your behavior is, your worth and your identity as an image bearer of God cannot change. And I think in that environment, then you have much more freedom to get busy getting work on recovery because you're like, I've got a constant there. In a typical accountability group, it's so easy to feel superior to everybody else or inferior to everybody else based on how I'm doing in my behavior. Mm -hmm. That's not yeah. a grace-based environment. That is not a grace-based environment. And that's where I think um, it's almost like you have to kind of come to a collective agreement when you're in the group that says, listen, we're all a mess. We're all imperfect. And none of us are the son of God. And yet... In him, we have absolutely equal value, equal worth. You know, what do they say? The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So you almost need a collective agreement at the beginning that says, wherever we are in our messiness, it is not comparing us to each other. It is comparing ourselves to the Son of God, and we all fall short. And yet, at the same time, he lifts us all up to that value. And so wherever we are kind of in our own imperfections and our own brokenness, and I think what that does, I mean, I've seen this happen more times than not, Drew, is when you have that kind of environment where there's almost like this collective agreement that says, we're going to keep Jesus as the standard and, and grace as our, um, as our worth. It's like guys will rally around each other in that. 
they're not trying to put each other down. In fact, it's more like when a brother is having a bad week in that grace-based environment, it's not about trying to get him to perform. Mm -hmm. It's about saying, hey, brother, you are loved. You are valued. Nothing changed how God feels about you. You absolutely are a beloved uh, son. And so I think that's really important to have that kind of agreement in the group. Right. And then allowing for curiosity and compassion so that we can process what happened and realize that, I mean, we all sin every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty about a grace-based approach is it it is going to change the the mindset and the, and the mission. Uh, a lot of times in a performance-based system, there are very definite destinations that are kind of mapped out. Like in other words, okay, you've got baseline behaviors that you're not supposed to cross, and then you're supposed to do this. And so it can very easily uh, slip into kind of this legalistic performance. Hey, look at look at me. I have you know, and I'm not. I'm I'm totally. I'm not opposed to any format of of recovery. So when I say this, I'm not I'm not throwing like twelve step groups under the bus. But the whole idea of you know my one year chip or my this and that, where it can seem as if it's it's static. It's like I've reached this point. Whereas I think in a grace-based uh, approach, it's saying I have always got room to learn and to grow. And so the mission is actually about movement, not did I reach this particular point? You and I both know, Drew, to get to a point where you're no longer doing those acting out behaviors is, is really kind of recovery 101. And there's like a thousand other levels after that. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, we absolutely want to celebrate when a guy truly has become disentangled from those baseline behaviors and is no longer practicing them. But in some ways, I try to encourage guys in a grace-based approach that says, hey, praise God, you know, that's really the beginning of your real recovery. Like in terms of the real transformation, the, the fruit of joy and peace and community and all of that really starts to accelerate and grow once you do get disentangled just from the behavioral side of things. And so grace allows for this idea of you're always going to be on a growth mission. I've been on my personal journey for over, you know, for 24 years. And let me tell you, there's a lot more that I have to learn. You know, in some ways, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what does it really mean to be a man of God and reflect him well? And in my experience, it's not a linear path. Mm -hmm. It is much more cyclical in the sense that maybe we keep coming back to the same place multiple times, but each time it's a little deeper. Each time I'm not the same and God has something new for me. We wish it would look like a like a stock market graph that maybe goes up and down a little bit and hopefully goes up. But man, it just doesn't work that way, does it? No, and I think sometimes it breaks down into seasons where sometimes there's there's a season where there's just one thing that you're working on at multiple levels. I also think of it this way. You know, you think of you think of Jesus when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, right? Love God and love your neighbor. If you hear that once and you and you engage that once in your life, do you think you've got the full comprehensive knowledge of what that looks like in every season of your life? No, even that, like the basic, big, like this is what Jesus wants you to be focused on. There are so many layers to that. For one thing, 
I don't always have the same neighbors. <laughs> you know, life changes, people move. So in some ways, you've got a whole new dynamic of well, what's it like to love this neighbor? And then what's it like to love this neighbor? And so I think even the way that God has constructed the commandment that we are to be focused on, it's like there's always going to be movement in that and always going to be growth. So we should apply the same to our recoveries. When when we think about, okay, let's take, for instance, um, having healthy boundaries. I mean, healthy boundaries are part of recovery. Do you think that they're always going to look exactly the same in every season of your life? If you do, you've gotten stuck, I think, in your recovery. Because it's interesting, over the years, I have actually felt my boundaries get tighter. Tighter meaning it's gone beyond just behavior. And I'm realizing, you know what, there are there are boundaries that I need to put on my mind. There are boundaries that I need to have for my heart. You know, God says, guard your heart for out of it uh, flow the springs of life. And so in some ways, the the journey of, I guess you'd call it holiness, you, you're going to have even boundaries change because you're saying, I, I want to be, I want to keep growing and keep learning. That is so so true that our boundaries need to change it's so true that in different seasons the challenges we're up against are not going to be the same Mm -hmm. and so maybe sometimes grace sounds like saying man i'm up against something i've never faced before i'm not who i could be i'm not who i should be and i'm also not who i used to be yeah, and I think sometimes when people think of of grace again, thinking maybe that it's either soft or maybe thinking that you know you know this journey is about uh, being free, right? So a lot of times we talk about freedom, and I think sometimes the way guys misconstrue freedom, even in a grace based environment, is they think okay, taking boundaries again, for instance, okay, I'm going to set these boundaries, and then someday I'll be free so I can remove all those boundaries. And that's why I wanted to share that after 24 years, I feel like actually my boundaries have gotten tighter. And it's because when you get inside the lines that God has drawn, you actually realize that there is an infinite depth of intimacy that you can start to build with the creator who is inside those boundaries. So there's a limited number of stupid things that you can do outside the boundaries. When you're inside, you keep going further and further and further in, and it actually increases joy. It increases peace. And so we've got a, that's another kind of upside down way of thinking, grace versus performance, or even this grace as it applies to freedom. Freedom is not the removal of all boundaries. I believe that freedom is going more and more into the relationship with God who brings all of that value and all of that um, experience of true freedom and true peace and true joy inside those boundaries. I love that. Jonathan, what are some false ideas about grace-based recovery? Yeah, well, I think sometimes guys think that we mentioned one a little bit earlier, this idea that, you know, grace is sort of this license, Sounds to me like, man, when you're saying there's nothing I could ever do that could cause God to love me any less or change my value or worth, doesn't that just give people a license to just keep doing what they're doing? Well, thankfully, this was a question that the Apostle Paul expected when he was teaching in Romans on the understanding of the freedom that grace gives to us. When he says in Romans 6, he says, I know the question you're going to ask. Well, if grace abounds, why don't I just keep sinning? Shouldn't I just, can I just keep sinning more and more? And of course, 
his response is, are you nuts? I mean, that's in the Greek. You know, are you nuts? <laughs> of course you don't want to keep doing that because if you have an understanding of what this whole death, burial, and resurrection with Christ means, you have been raised to a new life. And that new life does not want to sin. And so therefore, we've got to tap into that. And I think a grace-based approach is saying, when you understand that your value can't change, you got to, you're going to start digging into this place in which, in which the Holy Spirit resides, in which the Spirit of God is residing and saying, I want you to live the way I made you to live, which is to experience the fullness of joy and the fullness of freedom. And like the fullness, if I can put it in these terms, the fullness of real pleasure. When you start tapping into that, you realize, oh, of course I don't want to sin. Of course I don't want to do these things. But it's grace that gets you there. Guess what? If you keep trying to say it's about me keeping the rules, you will just continue to limp along, continue to be miserable, probably continue to go back to the well that you've gone to over and over and over again that doesn't satisfy. And so grace is not a license to keep on sinning because grace is what tells you what your true identity is. And your true identity in Christ is somebody who doesn't want to sin. And so we've got to keep pursuing that. This is the biggie. This is the biggie that guys don't understand. Grace-based recovery is not easy. So many guys, they hear the, the idea of grace and that it's free and that it's a gift and there's nothing you could do to change your value. And they start thinking, that's so easy. And then I always challenge guys, I say, what is the, the first primary thing that is required for you to really enter in to that grace, to really enter in to what it means to live according to that. And the first thing that has to happen is you have to set aside your pride. Well, guess what? That's why grace-based recovery isn't easy. Because we want to say, but hey, I resisted that temptation, or I did that, or I, you know, I, I earned that chip or whatever. And it's like pride, 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 pride. And so the reason grace-based recovery is hard is because, because grace is a gift, then the fullness of every good thing in my life, including all the good steps on my recovery, they're all a gift from God. God gets the full glory. So when I say that temptation came into my life and I resisted it, I have to remember, oh, God said that he's the one that promises a way of escape for every temptation. So that was actually a grace of God, that he gave me a way out. Oh, but I took it. Well, guess what? Even the faith that I have, he gives it to me. So there's a sense in which when grace starts to cover everything in your life, you realize, man, my pride really wants to come up. And that's why grace-based recovery is, is not easy. And yet, it's the best way. It's the only way to really experience true life transformation. If you embrace this approach to recovery, what's the result? I believe the, the result is you actually get, begin to experience all that fruit of the Spirit that He plants in our lives. You experience an increasing measure of love. You experience an increasing measure of joy and peace. I would also say that one of the results is you actually begin to understand how to engage in authentic relationships. I know you've you've mentioned this before, and a lot of people in this space have mentioned it before that you know the opposite of addiction is not abstinence, it's connection, it's community, it's like it's relational. And 
I think a lot of guys can get that on an intellectual level and then they try to achieve that in a performance-based system and it never works because relationships by true relationships, like healthy relationships are not mechanical. You can't just sort of schedule this or set a, you know, it's not like your car that you can say, hey, as long as I got all the fluid levels where they need to be, everything's going to run just fine. It is way more organic than that. It's messier than that. And so in a grace-based approach, I think the main point, so to speak, is you you get to this place where you realize that the goal is something that is growing. The goal is increasing joy, increasing love. But the goal is also, I'm learning how to be relational. And so therefore, I'm always in movement. There's always growth that's happening. And so I know that sometimes that's not the answer that guys want to hear because Maybe they've done a lot of work to this point and they realize this is hard. This is hard work. But when you can step back and go, this hard work has not done nothing to change my value. I'm at a constant 10 before God. Can I actually also start to find some rest mm. in this and not feel like I've got to go at a pace that's a thousand miles an hour? Can I actually start to settle in and go, what, what does God want me to do today? How can I be faithful today? realizing there may be a thousand more steps ahead of me, but what's the one today? And by his grace, I can step into that. I can connect with my the, the people that are on this journey with me. And I think over time, you start to experience, again, those increasing uh, measures of joy and peace. Amen. It is so much bigger than freedom from the old behaviors. I think the key element, and you talk about this all the time, and this is what I love about your, your ministry, is the, the goal is not about stopping something. The goal is actually about engaging someone. When that shift started to happen, it was like good fuel to the fire of my recovery. It's like all of a sudden, so many things started to click into place. Oh, this is a whole new lifestyle. This is a whole new way to live. This is a whole new kingdom that I'm living in now. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, you're, if your listeners and your viewers can get that one major shift that grace-based recovery is trying to to help you get, that's it. It's not about stopping a negative behavior. It's about learning to engage someone. And the someones are God, brothers in this journey. You know, if you're married, your wife, your family, and and engaging them in a new way, a way that says, I understand who I am in Christ and I understand who you are. And now we can engage in an honest way that's moving forward. Absolutely. And also engaging myself and the parts of myself that I've neglected or that I have hated. Yeah. I don't have to be scared anymore of going there, right? Right. Because if I know that grace is telling me what it tells me about my worth and my value because God demonstrated his grace through Christ, then all those places that I've closed off in myself that I said, we're never going there. I'm not opening that closet door. We can go there because it's like, oh, The reason I wouldn't go there before is because I thought this was going to uh, damage something in my relationship with God, or I thought this was going to, you know, confirm all those shame lies that are part of what's been residing in that place. When grace speaks, you can go, okay, let's open all the doors because there's absolutely nothing that I could know about myself. Also, there's absolutely nothing that others could know about me that's going to diminish that. It gives you a boldness in recovery. Mm -hmm. You start to be willing to share your story with others and all those broken places because you're going... Hey, what can you do to me? You know, <laughs> yeah. God says he loves me and period. That's it. You know, that really does sound good. I feel challenged to keep moving into that because it can get 
discouraging sometimes and exhausting. Jonathan, what is your favorite thing about freedom from porn? Oh, man. Uh, now, here's where I ha- I'm kind of a, a word nerd. And so when somebody asks me what my favorite is, now technically favorite means only one. But there's two, there's more, there's too many. I think for me, one of my favorite things about like freedom from porn is just what we've, what what I just mentioned, the, there's no more need to be afraid. Like I, I don't have to be afraid. Now I've had an ongoing struggle and, and battle with anxieties and fear my whole life. And yet when I come back to the gospel, when I come back to grace, I go, what do I need to fear? There's absolutely no fear. The other thing too that I love is the the real freedom, the true freedom from those impulses and those those behaviors. I, one of the, my favorite things to tell guys on this journey is, you know, listen, on the front end, you're just trying to get away from those behaviors. And that's good and I think those those changes can happen based in this grace-based uh, approach. But what I really love to tell guys is, did you know that if you keep going on that journey, God can actually change your desires? God can actually change your heart to where you do not have the same inclination. Guys, I get tempted today, not in exactly the same ways that I used to, but I still get tempted today. But did you know, because of the work that God has done on my heart, I don't have the same kind of response to those temptations as I did 25 years ago. And that may be my, if I really do want to pick one, that may be my favorite thing is that God can actually truly transform your heart to where, like I mentioned before, when you understand who you are and you understand that who you are is somebody that doesn't want to sin, your desires can start to match up with that. And then finally, one of the biggest things that I just love about not being entangled in pornography anymore is the relationships. I have gotten to meet so many amazing people. I mean, it's funny because getting called into this kind of ministry, at first I wrestled with God and I didn't want to do it. And I'm so glad that, you know, he kept pushing me in this way because I have gotten to experience relationships that I never would have been able to experience had I not gone through this recovery process and in recovery environments. And I just want to say to your your listeners and viewers, you are my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Amen. I totally agree. <laughs> Broken, sexually messed up guys are my favorite people. And I couldn't have said that 25 years ago <laughs> because I was looking at my own sexual brokenness and going, I'm not even my favorite person. There's no way I want to be around anybody else like me. But again, when you get into a grace-based environment that says we have equal value before God, now let's start learning how to be brothers and sharpen one another and move towards greater integrity. Man, that's so good. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate you creating the space for us to be able to talk about grace. Why not? I mean, is there anything better to talk about? Probably nothing. And we'll probably keep talking about it and hopefully experiencing it forever. Mm -hmm. Guys, if you want to check out Jonathan's books and his organization, go down to the show notes and I've included all the links there. Again, Jonathan, thank you so much. And thank you, God, for the beauty of the grace that we get to receive. Always remember, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. Mm -hmm.